Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I am Jason, a guy that makes no promises. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And we're talking about the AA promises today, Uh, something that I was not aware of early in recovery and then got introduced to later. And then we, like when I first heard them, I just, I'm like, oh, this is a nice little paragraph. It's kind (laughs) of cool, right? Like it it had a piece in there that I was like, ooh, I kind of like that one, right? I wish our program said that one, (laughs) you know, because I didn't want to give credit to like, AA at that point in my life for coming up with anything good, even though they came up with the whole program. But yeah, I was like, I don't know what these are. And then over time, I heard them a few more times and people talked about them and learned that like, at some point while they are in the book, I guess, as you were describing to me just before we started talking here, they've also become like a, almost like a 12 step reading to some extent. Yeah, like a reading that they pulled out. Yeah, there's 12 promises. And, you know, I had talked about the promises with people in NA before who were aware of them and knew what they were. And, you know, I think the feeling I always got was that like, they sound really nice and they've got some cool ideals in them. And we wish that Narcotics Anonymous had some cool version of the promises, (laughs) which if you look deep enough, it sort of kind of does. Like if you read the 11th step, we just found out in the basic text, like each paragraph starts not exactly with a promise. It doesn't say promise anywhere, but with an idea of like a thing you'll be able to do that you weren't able to do before. Yeah. And that's what it feels like. They've just taken the effort to look through this one section of reading out of the big book and pull out some of the results of living and practicing the program. And even when you look at their writing, it doesn't say we promise these things are going to happen. It tells you like these are the results of living the spiritual program. Right. And we have a lot of those throughout our literature, just they're not as well organized. Right. <laughs> you know, right. they're like scattered out and throughout paragraphs. So it would be a lot harder to pick out all the things we say will happen as a result of working the steps. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, you know, we, we say we have one promise, right? Like the promise of freedom from active addiction. But it's actually a little more than that. It's a, it's a sentence that's a promise or, or, you know, what we say Narcotics Anonymous is capable of doing. And it says that an addict, any addict can stop using, lose the desire to use and find a new way to live, which is three different separately distinct <laughs> things. But, you know, that's kind of the, the promise of our of Narcotics Anonymous. Let's not say our. <laughs> but the AA promises are, are interesting. I, I think what I wanted to explore, one, if you've never heard of them, they're kind of cool, kind of neat. Um, it might give you an idea of like what you can expect from working a program. But I, I really kind of wanted to go through them because I've always come at them from the sense of like they feel very poetically nice. But I don't actually know that I've come at them like, is this real? Like, did I really get yeah. this? Or I've, did I feel like the program could provide this, whether I got it or not? And, and I just, I have no idea. So let's jump into that, unless you got more background you want to give on them. Or? No, I mean, other than, like, say, it comes out of, I guess, in the 
Alcoholics Anonymous, page 83 and 84, which I believe is chapter 6, which is in their ninth step, hmm. is where this comes out of. So I'm not exactly sure how it relates to the ninth step specifically, yeah. but that's where they come from. <laughs> Maybe it's like the, hey, by the time you've gotten this far, like these are some things you might see. And, and maybe they looked at, you know, 10, 11, and 12 as much more of the maintenance steps the way we, we call them today. And so that wasn't really a part of the, the change you were going to experience in your program. That was more like the upkeep. Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Damn. So this is actually like a nine step program. And then <laughs> you just got to do 10, 11, and 12 here and there. <laughs> uh, so, okay. The AA promises. Number one, and this is how the reading starts. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, which considering this is in the ninth step, I'm assuming it means after steps one through nine. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. So at step four and a half, we, we should have been amazed. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Just literary wise, I don't actually know what that means. Like, does that mean we should have been amazed at step four and a half or at some point in time during the process of doing nine, the yeah, first nine? I guess, is or? that considered one of the promises? I think so. Okay. Uh, it's number one listed on mine. Uh, mine's, <laughs> mine's broken down. Oh, so. See, yeah. Mine just has the reading. Oh, okay. So it's not. Yeah. Mine's, mine's oh, listed as the, the 12. Yeah. Mine just has the reading and it's not broken out into individual ones. I um, gotcha. So that's, that's number one. But okay. So if you read that, that could mean I was amazed by step four and a half. That could mean I was amazed at some random point through working steps one through nine. That could mean, hey, it's still a 12-step process, so maybe somewhere around six you should have been feeling this, even though we're telling you at nine. Like, I, I don't even know what yeah. halfway through means. Well, and what if we weren't painstaking enough? Well, and if we're supposed to keep doing them over and over again, is it halfway through until I die? Like, yeah. I don't know. Right. And how do you know if you've been painstaking enough in this phase of your development? Uh, so that's fascinating. Um, in, in reading the actual book, if you skim through the paragraphs before and after, uh, this promises only really seem to apply to step nine. They're like the step nine promises. So... I guess when you're halfway through making your amends, you should be amazed. Yeah. And I don't know. My amends process, it took me a long time to get there, and it didn't feel great in the you, middle of it. You weren't amazed <laughs> halfway through? No. <laughs> I, I got to be honest. Like, sometimes I just wish I wouldn't learn stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like these better when they were, like, these kind of poetic pretty versions of things we might get from recovery. Like, they just sounded nice then, but now... Maybe looking at them and realizing they're literally only written about step nine and the step nine process of making our amends and how that'll make us feel kind of cheapens them for me. And I don't like them anymore. So it's just the chapter is into action. Well, and if you if you read the paragraph or two before it and after it or skim it like it, it's really just talking about the process of making the amends. Yeah. And that's what I in my research they called them the ninth step promises yeah these these are so okay uh if we're looking at that these are only promises about the ninth step i guess and i did not know that see we learn something new every episode <laughs> yeah but i think they're applied in general they're applied to the whole process at least the way that they're i think understood well i think somebody read them and thought these are beautiful and put them on a sheet of paper and then they started being expounded to be about the whole process but really like they were written about step nine so that's that's interesting hmm 
Yeah, I don't like them anymore. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't remember feeling. I don't know. I might have been a little amazed. I, I would imagine going into nine after having just written eight with all these people. I was like nervous about making apologies to, and I still had a lot of insecurity about whether people could like me. Like I could picture me being pretty pumped that a couple of them went well. I don't like say I'm kind of thinking of the whole thing now. Like you said, like has it just applied to step nine? <laughs> like, it, I think that's what I'm they were written there for at the moment. <laughs> well, okay, so picture it this way: even if they were written about step nine, that doesn't mean they couldn't be about the whole process. I mean, because if this happened in the step nine process that took place during the process, and I'm yeah, sure and some other know, steps led at to least it. Theoretically, we mm-hmm. always say, and I believe my belief is that the steps are written in order for a reason we got to build our foundation off all those other steps before we can even get to this step so it is about the whole process yeah you know there's a series of things i i don't know that we would have the same results if we just went and started making amends to people with 30 days clean <laughs> well and and that's where I, I guess i would argue these are probably sort of bullshit or or you know just nice gentle beautiful ways of saying a thing because like okay if you took some nice poetic words and described the act of stepping into the batter's box at a baseball game right with all the fans and in a big moment like there would probably be a cool way you could describe that that somebody else could read and be like oh my god this is like the description of all of the process of playing baseball or this is the description of like making pop tarts in my backyard or what the (laughs) fuck ever you know what i mean like if you write it in a generalized enough way it doesn't have to be about one thing like it's kind of like people who write music right you listen to a song everybody interprets it the way they feel it right and i feel like so it could be about the whole thing but yeah it's written about nine yeah and that's the way i i mean me personally just about all the promises in general it's like they're vague enough that I mean, some of them have some specific things in there. They do talk about specifically uh, financial stability or whatever words they. Use. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like really, we're gonna get there. I know, yeah. I know. That's a fun one. It's a fun one to argue. Yeah. So, all right, number number two, we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. So, given my new understanding of the context of these in step nine, yes, there would be a new freedom in being able to go to family reunions that I couldn't go to because I felt awkward because I had stole that shit from my uncle and you know what I mean? Right. But I and never making made the amends peace with and, my past and yeah. yeah, feeling like I'm, I'm okay with that. Not carrying around the guilt and shame. Right. Right. So I would totally agree with that on a, on a broader scale. I think it still holds true. There's a new freedom to not feeling bound to having to use a substance to be okay at all given times. Yeah. I mean, that's, and there is something, you know, fulfilling spiritually about being like independent like standing on my own two feet and taking responsibility for my actions and being accountable for the you know person that i am like all those things uh taking positive action in my life by addressing character defects you know (laughs) there's like all those things build on a sense of happiness and well-being right i think if i had to argue a technicality it would be the happiness part Because I don't know, like, I could see where the conditions set by making amends could make someone happier, but I don't think those conditions cause someone to be happier. So I I feel like that's not something we could promise. Yeah, and it's it's probably not always going to be happiness in the moment, (laughs) you know. Mm, Some of those amends are difficult and some don't go 
perfectly and the moments can be painful, but I think the result of the process. Well, I guess what I'm thinking is sometimes uh, what I've found historically, or at least what I feel like we're finding in the therapy world historically, is that we've looked at the absence of one thing as providing something else, right? Like the absence of danger means safety. That's not actually true. <laughs> the absence of danger means there's no danger, right? It does not necessarily mean you feel safe there. Right. Um, and, and this feels like one of those, like just because we're removing some places that have caused unhappiness does not necessarily mean happiness is going to be there. It's just removing things that get in the way of it, mm. which is good. I'm not knocking it or saying it's a bad practice, but like. I don't think we can say, oh, yeah, if you just remove all these obstacles to happiness, happiness will just arrive because I feel like we understand now that's not always the case. Like some people are not going to feel happiness off of substances right away, at least. Yeah. So I'd that agree. one is kind of her. Uh, the next one, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Hmm. I mean, I'm imagining in the context of step nine, that's because we're getting let off the hook to some yeah. extent. I, I don't think it's getting let off the hook, but we're owning our responsibility and we're taking a stand for our part to try to make things right. Yeah, and uh, seeing that our our story, our whatever got us to where we are doesn't have to be a sense of embarrassment and guilt, you know, that we can use that as like a positive, like, hey, this is where I was and these are the things that I was doing and look now at my life now, you know, we had Bruce on talking about his book recently and just thinking through what he said, like this idea of there was a thing he had put in the book that he wished he wouldn't have at this point later on, but he said he didn't regret it because that doesn't do anything. And I'm like, but what's the difference? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you if you still wish you would have done something different, isn't that regret? Like I feel <laughs> right. like it is. Um, and maybe there's a little different nuance to it, right? Maybe regret carries like a deeper emotional toll than just wishing you would have done something different. I could see that. So I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just like trying to think through like, do, is there anything I could have done that even after making amends, I would still regret for the rest of my life, no matter what. And, and yeah, there's definitely things I feel like I would still regret. Like if I had seriously harmed someone to the point of taking their life or something in my active use, I, I would probably still hold a lot of regrets about that, whether I've made peace with it or not. I don't, I don't know that those are isolated properties. You yeah. Know I mean? like, you can I don't have know one they, without the other. Yeah. I'm mm -hmm. not sure. Even in the, I, I guess I can only share my, like my experience with my past, that has been the case. I mean, I, I've felt like, you know, I don't regret my past anymore like I used to. Uh, are there probably one or two things I wished I wouldn't have done? I would say, yeah, but as a total, like, story, I guess I don't regret it. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. I, th I definitely think there's some things I would still regret. I Nothing that I did, I don't think. Like, of course, there's a piece of me that says, man, it would have been nicer to have these other experiences that weren't like that. But yeah, that that's what led me here. And I'm okay with that for yeah. the most part. But I guess I'm just picturing for people who might have it different than me. Like, mm. I didn't do a whole lot of terrible things to individual people besides right. my parents. I mean, I, I put them through the ringer, but... Generally, it was more stores that were catching the flack of my, <laughs> yeah. my destruction. Right. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. 
I just don't know, man. Like, you know, comprehending the word serenity seems easy enough if you just go get the dictionary definition. It doesn't mean you have serenity just because you comprehend it. Well, and I can say my experience in the process of at least the steps, I can't specifically say for the ninth step, but I have moments of serenity. I don't know that I walk around in a state of constant serenity. That's right. <laughs> that's asking a lot. <laughs> but well, I do I, I do experience times of serenity and peace. I, I'm almost wondering if the wording isn't on purpose, right? Like if you're talking about somebody who's coming from a place of not even being able to comprehend the word serenity, like can't even from their life experience as a somebody who's used substances uncontrollably, like just can't even fathom what, how serenity would look in their life. Maybe, I feel like I was that. I mean, yeah, yeah. Using, yeah. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Maybe even just the understanding of coming to a place where you're like, oh, I could see where people could find serenity. Yeah. Like maybe that's what they're trying so to say. My first moments of that understanding were being able to like lay down at night and go to bed and not have a million racing thoughts going mm. in my head about how I needed to fix and what I needed to do and how I was going to deal with this and what problem, you know, needed to address next. Like just being able to lay down at night and be like, I am fucking okay. My life is okay. I'll deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. Like mm. that was the very first idea of serenity that I knew. That's pretty. Thank you. <laughs> Do you feel like after the ninth step, you knew peace? I think that's a little lofty for a promise, <laughs> personally. Do I know peace? Um, I I would say yes, I can't. I mean, yeah, it's hard to remember specifically being back at the ninth step. But Especially the first time. Yeah. It's like really, really tricky. Um, But I definitely think I know peace now. I, I mean, if I got a, if I had to guess... Chances are, by the time I'm finishing up step nine, there's probably some moments of peace in my life. I, I you know, looking back at it now, I got some judgments about what yeah. my life looked like. But at that time, I'm sure there had to be some peace. Like yeah. I wasn't running around like a maniac at all times. That's for sure. Well, and truthfully, for me, the I, the real peace and serenity that I have, like on a daily basis now, I attribute to the eleventh step, like my practice of meditation, right. more so, and my dependence on, I guess, a higher power, mm. like my peace and serenity now comes way more from that so i can't say that i had it after i was done the hmm. ninth step but i definitely had it after 11 you know the flavor of peace i have now if peace or a spectrum <laughs> yeah. peace is on a spectrum somewhere uh yeah i got a lot more of it from meditation for sure too that's what i do at night now when i lay down and my thoughts aren't calm i'm like oh let me just turn that timer on and start breathing because that's what's gonna put me to bed yeah yeah, I don't know. Comprehend serenity and no peace. All right, so number five. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. I feel like this is tied into number three about not regretting the past or wishing to close the door on it. Like, yeah. They kind of go hand in hand. When I see that my struggle can now be useful for someone else, now I don't regret it as much. Right, yeah, I would tie that in with that the same way. Do you feel, see, this is where it gets tricky, though, when they throw some shit in there, like, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, basically, like, no matter how shitty the stuff you've done is, <laughs> there's redemption for you, or, or you know, you'll f 
feel how those experiences can benefit others. Do you think that's true for everybody? Like, look, yeah. Is it true for me? Sure. I'm a guy who stole from my parents, right? Did that suck? Was that awful? Absolutely. But when I look at the comparison of things I could have done, like murdered people or beat up old ladies or fucking raped people, like there's a whole lot more that I'm not so sure I would have been okay with later. Yeah, but I guess that's part of, you know, the amends process is doing whatever you got to do to bring peace for that in your life. You know, what doing, doing what you need to do to make that right and figuring out Mm. what that is. Yeah. So I would say if you're doing a perfect ninth step, which nobody does. (laughs) I don't know. Mine was pretty close. (laughs) You know, and you address these things and you really make amends. I mean, to me, that's the difference between just saying I'm sorry for shit and and feeling bad about doing Mm. something and actually making an amends to try to make right a wrong we have harmed. So like the idea being that the amends should be something that like if the amends itself did not make me feel okay with the situation, it wasn't the right amends. Right. Then like I at need the to end of an amends, continue or I do should something feel else. Right. right. Whether the other person does or not. Correct. Huh. Okay. So I think you make a fascinating and really strong point there, and I don't disagree with it. But I guess my my holdup is anytime any of us, because this is what I spent my life doing, anytime any of us says that I know for sure, even people who had it worse than me are capable of what I've found. I don't like that. Mm. (laughs) Like, I don't know what the fuck people are capable of. I was capable of this. Maybe someone else is. I ain't promising nobody that. So you're taking that from which, I guess I'm not so sure where that's No matter how far down the scale we have gone. Oh. That's saying like, hey, you know, yeah, it was really bad for me and I found this, this thing. And no matter how much worse than me you were, oh, gotcha. you will also okay, find make that. Okay, it's making it comparative like, to somebody's yeah, suffering. You can't, or, like, I right. don't know. Maybe even people who had it not as bad as me or didn't go as far down the scale to use this fucking antiquated language of the big <laughs> right. book. Like, I don't even know what that means exactly. Maybe they can experience or, or maybe they don't see how their experiences will benefit others at the end. Like, I guess I just don't ever want to feel like I'm telling somebody else because this works for me. I'm telling you, it'll definitely work for you, too. And that's what that feels like. That's yeah, a promise. that's true. You know, that's kind of the problem I have with uh, the way I was in 12 step. Really, it's just like I did it this way. This is what I saw my friends do. And this is just how you fucking do it. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and I guess I could see a more loose understanding of this being that 
no matter what you've done, there is some redemptive quality in your life or in your story, you know? Which is going back to like kind of where I came into this with. Like, I like these as poetic concepts that do a good job of describing some of the things we might get from the program, some of the ways we might feel different than we used to. I think they're beautiful for that, but as actual strong concepts i think they're just a bunch of fucking wishy-washy like this sounds nice so just maybe leaving them in the book in a a paragraph to flow through is or having the paragraph written or whatever like it's cool but yeah yeah yeah, to pick them out and highlight them is right you're not gonna check these all them promises (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm not going home today like yeah i do i do see how all my experiences could benefit others i'm gonna check that one off (laughs) like that's not happening uh number six that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Does everybody that comes into a 12-step program, well, I guess in this case, does everybody that goes into AA, since this is only part of theirs, do they all feel useless and self-piteous when they go? Like, isn't that an assumption that we're all got that going on? I, I kind of think we do, but yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. I agree. Uh, that's what gets you there, but <laughs> it's the only I, reason you're walking into a room full right. of strangers and on fucking weeknight in a church basement <laughs> asking him to be your friend <laughs> i was a terrible person will you guys like me i mean I, I again i can relate it to me i think that was true i you know i had that experience i felt i don't know that i felt useless but i definitely felt a lot of self-pity i always felt like a person that had a lot of potential and just wasn't living up to my potential oh i'm gonna God, now I just want to do a podcast about that, (laughs) about the acorn (laughs) and the potential it has and all the fucking environmental ways that it doesn't live up to that. It's a great example that came out of that Gabor Monte (laughs) book that I'm like in love with right now Uh, because it just makes so much sense and helps me understand how my environment actually is impacting my genetic potential and has in the course of my life. And anything that fucking reduces shame, man, I'm all in it. Right. Yeah. Fuck it. Let's go to it. The the acorn. Okay. The acorn's got the potential to be a big, strong oak tree. What if it falls on a parking lot? It ain't going to be a big, strong oak tree. Right. What if a squirrel decides that's his winter food? It ain't going to be an oak tree. What if it grows in an area that's got nutrient deficient uh, soil? It's not going to be as big as its potential. It might barely grow at all. What if it grows up around too many weeds or too many other trees or in too close proximity? It might not grow up to be as full and big as it could have been, right? What if somebody walks along when it's a young tree and like kicks it over? It might be damaged and grow sideways. Like all these ways this acorn can be impacted from reaching this potential genetically that it originally had. And I think we overlook all of that in children Hmm. and humans. And I mean, it just makes so much sense. It's not what your DNA said you were going to be. It's what your environment allowed to have happen. I don't know. I think it's beautiful. And yeah. Lesson shame. Always. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, did I feel useless and self-piteous? Absolutely. Did they disappear? Absolutely not. They yeah. lessened. They definitely lessened through the step process, but they didn't disappear. Yeah. I don't know that they disappeared. There is something, again, beautiful about like this idea that of of righting a wrong, you know what I mean? Of Of being a person that takes ownership and Hopefully in this process, it's a reduction of someone's pain if they have it or an honoring of someone's pain and suffering. And so if nothing else, you're able to do that for a person to say, hey, I recognize your feelings matter. You're a valuable person in my life. I hurt you or did you wrong? And I want to honor that. Um, So 
I believe there's some spirit of goodness that comes from that, but whether it reduces it to nothing, I, yeah, I can't say that it would disappear. <laughs> my argument of what you just said, or at least not my argument, because I, I don't disagree with what you said. My take on what you said about what's actually happening there is in the process of us going to make this amends, we are making connection and our body feels better after making that connection because every disconnection we have with the world, right? The places we've done the harm where the disconnection happens, we feel that in our soul or in our mind body, so to speak. And so we go and we make this connection with this person that feels good and it makes our body feel better and it allows us to, you know, live in a different way and feel differently towards ourselves. But that connection is happening because we're validating that person. We're going back at a place where we didn't validate them. They felt very invalidated for the hurt we did because we were supposed to love them. And now we're seeing it and we're saying, hey, I see you. I see that pain you went through that I caused and I'm really sorry. That's what creates the ability to connect is the validation. And we were just talking about that. That's why I was like, right. oh my God, that's validation is everything. We yeah. just validate everybody. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I mean, right there, if nothing else, I, I would have to take a hard stance that they are definitely not going to fucking disappear. Like, that's not going to happen overnight because you made an amends and these are false. Right. <laughs> Sorry, AA. They're still pretty. Uh, number seven, we will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Bullshit. <laughs> I don't see that. Yeah, that's, a, that's pretty tough. Again, this is one of those things where I think it does happen to a degree, but we don't lose it. No, it doesn't go away completely. At least right. it hasn't for me. Yeah. It's well, been, I've gotten better. I don't actually believe in the word selfish. Yeah. To say something is selfish would mean that there would have to be an act that was unselfish. And I don't think there's a person in humanity right now that could convince me that that exists. I don't think people do unselfish things. If I say... Oh my God, Billy's uh, really upset with me. I should probably go like get him a card or a piece of chocolate and drop it off at his house, put his mailbox for him. That's because of how I feel about you being upset with me. It's not because you're upset with me. It's always a selfish, selfish action. Everything is always about how I feel. When I go to help somebody else, it's because of how I feel helping someone else. I just, I can't, it baffles me when people say that there's unselfish ways of being. I'm like, how? You're mm. always looking out for the way you feel about what you're doing. Yeah, and I don't want to get too tied up into that, uh, but yeah. I, I do, but not today. Yeah, not today. <laughs> Maybe that's our next podcast. Yeah, there we go. That'd be I a like good it. topic, selfishness. Oh, is that a spiritual principle on selflessness? Selflessness Let's is, fucking do it yeah. next month. <laughs> I want to have that argument. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, okay, so we'll pass on that for now. Uh, number eight. Self-seeking will slip away. I don't know how that's any different than number seven. What's the difference between selfish and self-seeking? Yeah, I think they're the same. Uh, I mean, I don't see much difference either. Uh, so not in this context. Like if you presented them to me and said, selfish is when you think that way and self-seeking is when you act that way, I'd buy into that. But they sound the same with the way they're written. Yeah. Self-seeking will slip away. Did your self-seeking slip away after... Step nine, Billy? No, it's still not gone. <laughs> and I've done two step nine. <laughs> I'm leaning into self-seeking. Yeah. I'm like, we just all need to do what's best for us. It's perfect. Yeah, and I'm, I guess I would agree to some context that self-seeking isn't always bad. You know, it's not always wrong. It's 
am I doing it in a way that causes harm to other people might cause me to take a little bit of pause, mm. but you know. Right, right. Right, like if I'm trampling over people to get the the gift I want at Black Friday, maybe that's not the right kind of self-seeking, but just right. saying, hey, I'd like to go see the museum in D.C. and driving down and walking through it is probably pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, but it's like if I say, oh, I could go home and, you know, do some things around the house that might mm -hmm. help the way for kids or I'm going to lay down and watch football all day and do nothing, eh, I'm probably going to lay down and watch football <laughs> later, <laughs> you know. Right, and, and, and I guess... Not to get too far off, but in the argument of the world, they would say, oh, well, that's just you looking out for yourself. And in my understanding of the world, I would say, maybe that's exactly what your body needs to be a good parent tonight or tomorrow or right. to be a good employee. Like that rest is needed for you to be your optimal self at some other point. Like we need that recharge. And so I don't think it's me doing the practices I need to do to keep up on my, my own spiritual condition, right? Me journaling, me meditating, me doing all these things. Somebody could say, man, those are really selfish. You take a lot of time away from your family to do those. Well, yeah, I do. And you know what? My family fucking benefits. And if I stop doing these, there's a problem. Like, right. So to me, it's like all those actions are just as selfless as any other action. Yes, I'm doing them for me, but that way I can be and show up in the world as the person I'm trying to, to treat other people the way they should be. Right. I don't know. Convoluted, I know. Yeah. Getting off topic. You're like, God damn it, Jason, stick to the point. Uh, number nine, our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. That's a fucking big promise. Yeah. Uh, Your whole outlook? I mean, maybe most of it. I mean, for me, mine did, because I will say I like came into the program full of like doom and gloom and life sucks and everything's about suffering and poor me and, you know, so I'm sorry, I'm picturing Kim listening to this and being like, he was that way with nine years. <laughs> right? I was pretty miserable. Still. Yeah. still pretty felt like the world was out to get me. It was hard to shake. Yeah. It was a really hard feeling to shake. And it wasn't a feeling. It's something that my father gave me, man. I'm like, if you met my father and then you talked to me, you'd be like, duh, I know where that comes from. The whole apple doesn't fall far from the right. tree. Like, yeah, I felt like the world was not going to work out positively for me. And I did not shake that just because I worked the steps. Well, maybe you weren't painstaking enough. I wasn't. Fucking there it is. There it is. That's that's what every... I'm going to get five emails from people in AA that'd be like, the promises are fine. You just weren't painstaking, asshole. Right. I'm like, all right, maybe not. Shallow bitch. Yeah, maybe I wasn't painstaking enough. Ten, fear of people and of economic insecurity <laughs> will leave us. What I do like about the way they worded this is that they don't say economic insecurity will leave us they say fear of it will. <laughs> right which so you might still be broke yeah yeah <laughs> you might be broke but you won't be in that constant and i think that to me that's more of what this one actually says is that we're going to move away from fear and towards love that's yeah. what i'm reading into that but but as a as it's written fear of people and of economic insecurity it's interesting that that's about step nine, I guess, because when you have to make financial amends, if you're like scared of, oh, if I pay back this credit card, I, I won't, won't have, have enough. enough. Yeah. I was trying to think of like why that applied to nine, but I guess that that makes sense. Yeah. And I guess the avoidance of people, like if you were trying to avoid people or stay away from certain people, you had caused harm or, you know, institutions you were staying away from. Like if you went and made your amends, you could have, you know, less fear about those things. <laughs> I'm going to preface this by saying, maybe I'm overthinking this, which is a big statement coming from one of us. <laughs> right. 
But I guess I'm thinking through that idea of like, if I thought I had good intentions in myself and yet saw what I actually did action wise in the world to damage people, like when I'm looking at this in eight and nine, and then I'm, I'm going to think, well, Jesus, if that's where I'm coming from being what I consider a good intentioned person and, and, you know, the world has given me this belief that there's just these readily available good and evil people out here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be scared of people because if I'm capable of that being a good person, I don't want to interact with anybody because what the fuck are they going to do to me, whether they're good, bad or indifferent? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a stretch. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but like that's a feeling. And then as I make the amends and realize, oh, these repairs can be made, maybe I'm more open to, oh, well, maybe other people will care and, you know, not shit on me the way I did people. Yeah. And I guess I didn't particularly hear that as fear of all people or fear of people in general. I was thinking of it more as individuals that I might be trying to avoid or stay away from. Mm. Like I still have like crowd anxiety and, you know, going to like the airport and there's a million people around like, oh, people are going to try to rob me and like all that shit's still there. Right. (laughs) That isn't went away. Oh, man. So, see, now I'm going to have you reading that as just fear of people. <laughs> just <laughs> right. every fucking people. That might, that might apply more now. What's 11? We will... In- oh, this is my favorite one. I'm not going to lie. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. Hmm. This is what made me fall in love with the promises, honestly. This yeah. line. I just love it. I love... I felt like there was no better description of what the process that took place in my life going through the steps. This is one I completely agree with. I feel like, and not for every situation, but quite frequently I would come up to a situation where I was like, I have done this wrong every fucking time I've ever done it. And somehow I would just know the right way to proceed from my heart. And I was like, holy fuck, that is wild. So I love it. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I I'm still baffled most of the time. I guess that's not true. I I do think I've learned enough skills and information and to trust, like say my my heart or my instincts more to to deal with situations. I I think this might even hold more true for me now than ever before in my life. I feel more mm-hmm. able to show up and even if I don't know exactly the the thing that's needed, generally I can come from a place of not kind of like the doctor's thing, do no harm. Like I, I don't feel like I'm adding to the harm. I might not be able to fix whatever's going on for somebody, but generally I can show up in a way that's like not harming them and not putting extra on whatever they're right, already making struggling it worse, with. Yeah. Right. And and it it does not feel like it was ever something that somebody sat down with me and said, Hey, when these kind of situations you do these, it just it kind of became apparent at some point. It was like, Oh, you just do this and people seem to like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. like, oh, cool. Right. So I don't know. I, I really do like that one. I'm trying to think of where I could see how it would hold true in a more general sense for maybe somebody that doesn't read it and like buy rate in to that happened. Yeah, well, it's the intuitive part that gets me. Like, I, I guess I don't feel like a lot of times it's still intuitive. It is more of an awareness, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, oh, I can do something different this time. <laughs> like, okay. it's more that than it is just, like, spontaneously doing the right thing. And we talk about that. I can't remember exactly which pamphlet. I think it's the Triangle of Self-Obsession, but it talks about, you know, being in life and then spontaneously acting in a position of love or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know if I'm ever quite there. (laughs) Although sometimes I can be like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
what I want to do is probably not best. Let's try this other thing and see what happens. <laughs> I, I guess I would equate this more to that. It's like I've, I've learned some things now to, to practice in situations where I'm like, all right, here's a situation where I got a lot of fear and I want to react in a way that, you know, might be hurtful towards others. Maybe I can try a little acceptance and just try to be compassionate or some humility and mm. say, hey, I don't know what the right thing to do is oh, I do that right one. here, you know. <laughs> But I don't know that it just like I hear intuitive and think like, oh, it just happens. Like situation comes up. I just act and it just happens naturally. OK. OK. So I'm picturing that situation. You just walk me through and I'm putting myself in it and I'm thinking, OK, something happens. The thing hurts me and offends me and, and my fear response kicks up. As long as I'm able to notice that, that's where I need the awareness, I guess, before the intuitive part happens. If I can catch that right now for me, the process is, okay, the first thing is what's going on for me? Well, I'm, I'm scared, right? This situation has created a fear of hurt or, or of going through a feeling I don't want to experience. So the first thing I do is I, I turn towards like my inner child, right? And I'm going to send a message about that fear. Oh my God, it is so hard to feel this much fear. Like, it is really hard for you. I'm so sorry. And then probably I'm going to, if I know more about why that situation causes fear, like the historical portion of it from my childhood or something, I might send messages around that to my inner child. But <clears throat> mostly the first part of how difficult it is. And then the last piece of I'm going to be here with you, which I know sounds crazy when you're talking to yourself, right? But <laughs> the idea is to take on the role of this better parent that we wish we would have had. And, and it's saying like, hey, I get that you're scared, but I'm going to be here with you in that. You don't have to be alone anymore. Generally, once I have addressed the fear portion of it through a method of like that or sitting with my breath or whatever it is that I need to do, generally the intuitive part happens next. Hmm. It's okay. like, okay, what's the, like the loving piece can come out once I've addressed the fear. Yeah. And then it's like, well, you know, you want to show up and go pick them up or, or go do whatever it is they said they needed. So I guess the intuitive part comes after I, I work around the fear portion of it. Yeah. And I would say that, I mean, that sounds to me like being an intellectual guy is like, that's learning to live your principles. You know what I mean? You're learning to practice your principles once you can get out of the fear state, out of that, gotta emotion. get that nervous system yeah. to calm down first, <laughs> right. right? That's the tricky right. part. Then you can live by your principles, right? And and I think that's the holdup that most of our society gets to. Like, yep. I think a lot of us recognize, oh, I don't want to be this guy that yells at my wife or that says these nasty things, or I don't want to be this woman that says these nasty things to my husband or my kids. But when the moment comes and that triggered nervous system happens, we don't have the ability to do anything different from there. And it's like, once we can understand that, then we have a template for something else. But until until then, you're going to be the, the person that just keeps saying, why can't I do something different in this situation? Right. And keep running into it. Yeah. I, and for me, that's been, like I guess, meditation's been a big part of that, you know. Meditation is Being a big able to, like, take a pause, take a, take a breath, take a second before I just react to whatever the feeling is. Well, and, and if you think about that, right, in meditation, what you're doing is a form of breathing that is like some, even if it's just letting your body do its regular form of breathing, that's good. Like that's, right. that's what your body needs. And in a survival response, that's not what your body's going to be doing. So even just taking five minutes to breathe in any fashion is going to change your physiology. It's going to calm your body. I mean, it's, yeah, 
meditation will be one of those things that works right. and that's great. Like I, I guess I said that cause I don't want you to think like, Oh, I only get that from meditate. Like, no, that's perfect. That's a great coping skill in those moments. Calm it down. Right. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, number 12, we will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Oh, is this where you think it's bullshit? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it depends on your version of God. Um, you know, I've developed an understanding of a higher power in my life that I could say that that's probably true. I could probably break down most people's understanding of their God and point out to them how it's not true. (laughs) that's fucking arrogant to say but you know no i you know my understanding of how my higher power works in my life now is that's that's pretty true i don't wouldn't again say that i necessarily had that as a result of the ninth step that didn't come till much much later um for sure i'm you know pretty pretty sure on that one but i definitely am at a point now where i realize there's a there's a power working in my life that's greater than me that you know if i can just kind of sit back and roll with it, you know, things are, are better than me trying to do it on my own. Right. I mean, I don't, for people who don't believe in God, it's kind of hard to give them this one as a promise. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think if we're loose in our interpretation of the G-O-D word with a capital G uh, in this case, I, I think that it could be amended maybe to be said yeah, better. Right. Like we will suddenly realize that we're not alone in the world and there's a lot of help from our community if we look for it (laughs) or something like that. You know what I mean? Like there's something a little more realistic we could probably be promising here. Right. But this isn't my program. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, I I mean, what's your take on them after, I don't know that either of us have gone through them so thoroughly before to like really examine if they're real or not. Well, so there is a little bit of a paragraph after that that I want to read just because I think it's kind of an out for most of this. Why? Oh. Before we get into my take on it, it says, are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. <laughs> so that's like a disclaimer saying like, yeah, if I work towards these goals, you know, I can get them. You know, that's true for a lot of things <laughs> like you know if i want to be 300 pounds and i work towards that i can probably get there <laughs> you know. i would say yes and then still somewhat not like like some of these are promising things that are just okay so i'll say this i don't know for people who have been raised in an environment where they grow up and they end up feeling useless and self-piteous about themselves right like i don't know that we ever have that completely disappear 
Right. Is the word completely in the promises? No. But it says disappear. To me, that means not here at all. Right. I don't know that that ever happens for us, honestly. So that's going to be a hard point. But I didn't get everything they're talking about, especially not to the amount that I have been able to get it from the steps. And so it's like it, I'm, I'm rationalizing like in my head, I'm trying to argue one, are these even possible? But then two, are these possible with just step work? And I'm like, I don't. Uh, they seem a little lofty. Yeah, and here they're talking about it's a result of the ninth step, you know. Oh, so right? yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's some heavy lifting for one step. Well, yeah. I mean it seems yes, they seem extravagant to me. I mean, maybe I'm in the wrong fellowship. <laughs> like <laughs> maybe maybe I need to go to AA and if I'd have worked them that way, I'd get different results. I don't hmm. know. I can't say. But that's a fair point. I I didn't have that experience in my recovery. There's still some of those I know that I struggle with, probably not on a daily basis. Like, say, I definitely a lot of them have gotten way better. And, you know, a lot of my feelings of my uselessness and worthlessness and all that, you know, have gotten better. But I still have days and times where I feel those things. I still have days and times where I feel selfish or self-serving or whatever you want to call it. You know, I don't usually act on them most of the time you know? right has my life gotten way better and i've become financially stable or financial insecurities have left eh. my financial situation has changed more than my financial security situation yeah <laughs> and my financial situation and my financial security situation have both changed way differently than my fear of economic insecurity yeah, I don't have a fear of economic insecurity <laughs> at the moment, but that's because um my financial security has changed. <laughs> like, have you ever had a weird relationship with money? Always. What is the weird relationship? Describe it. Um. So I'm a terrible money manager. That's a critical statement. Yeah. I have not. Be more yet specific. Found it compelling to be more interested in my financial situation. Right. So, well, <laughs> I'm trying to restate what you said with some yeah, different words. Yeah, and I would say I have not been able to successfully manage my money in a way that causes me to feel secure. <laughs> yes, but I, and and maybe I'm wrong about this. I, I could be just assuming some things from the way you've described it to me. You have never felt an interest in doing anything to necessarily. Uh, not change the behavior, but not really to change your relationship with your financial stuff. Like, I don't know that, like, I think your solution for I spend money too quickly on things that I probably didn't need was to give Jen the money. Yeah. Like, it wasn't actually like, oh, I feel really interested in, like, getting more familiar with my financial picture and when I can spend money. Oh, no, I don't want to care about money. That's right. So to me, there's something around that, right? And, and I'm trying to... I'm like taking a lot of guesses here. I'm sorry. Are you upset yeah. that I'm like no, 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 no. I'm I came from a situation where we we had one income and it was never enough and we were always in debt and always behind and just trying to get by. And I heard the adult conversations around the money we didn't have to do all these different things that we talked about hmm. possibly doing. And I have a hoarding stockpiling problem with money. And here's what, the way it manifests. So I will get an allowance. It's like $250 a month. And I can do that whenever I want with that, right? I don't do anything. 
<laughs> and I will take all the 20s out of that 250 at the end of the month when I get my next allowance and I'll just put them in a little, you know, place where I stash my money and I just keep doing that. <laughs> it does not make me happier to have that money. It just makes me less fearful. Huh. And it doesn't make me happier to spend the money. So I've got this weird dynamic where it's like I have this allowance and I really honestly half the time don't know what the fuck to do with it because I'm like, I feel weird spending money, but I also know that just stockpiling it is literally doing nothing for my enjoyment of life. And I know that I would probably enjoy life more if I freely spent it more. And it's like this weird dynamic. And I'm so I picture it coming from all these messages of like, we don't have enough. We, we're mm. not going to be able okay. to keep up. And so now it's like, oh, I got I got a store. I got a stockpile. And I'm picturing for you. I was like, well, he came from a situation where his family owned a business. They were probably a little well or off. And I'm wondering if your body's reaction that says brain, brain make up a reason why we don't want to care about money, right? I wonder if it's some reaction to like, maybe that's how your parents showed you love was through financial means, and yet you were resentful about that because you weren't getting like the nurturing hugs that you talk about not existing in your house. And so now there's like this kind of like shitty view of money, like, ah, that's that thing they tried to like bribe me with when I really wanted something else. Uh, that could be. I've never really thought much about it. Yeah, like that. So I'd have to look that. But I guess before you say the main point of what I got was that you were a guy who likes to solve problems, Billy. You like to think through shit and come up with neat solutions for stuff. And you like spreadsheets and shit. Like we're we're dorky like that, (laughs) Right. right? Like we love that shit. So the fact that you have never felt like this automatic instant desire to want to fix the money thing for yourself or do some cool things around it tells me oh there's something in his body that instantly like shuts off any interest in learning more about money stuff well my immediate response to that would be yes i like nice things and like having a lot of stuff and if i were to be financially responsible i would have to deny myself a lot of things that i want so it's easier to either not have to care about it or Hmm. not have to look at it because like i say to jen all the time like i'm like i would probably eat out almost every day i would would almost (laughs) never cook at home because it it fucking sucks the whole process of cooking the Mm -hmm. whole process of cleaning it up all that Mm -hmm. shit sucks i'd rather just go to a restaurant have somebody make my food and then fucking leave (laughs) you know but it's expensive and so it's uh, you know it's becomes a financial burden i I, so that to me is more where i think my and at a lot of times in my life i felt an inability to change that circumstance or an unwillingness Mm. to change that like well i don't want to work anymore i don't want to get a fucking second job or whatever so that i can go eat out every day or yeah, but and it's interesting you say like inability or unwillingness, but like I don't know to me and this is one of those situations maybe this is what I'm I'm trying to do more for more of us like find where there is a reason that makes sense. Right. Right, because I believe there always is. And and maybe the thing with the money is that you grew up with nicer things and now you kind of feel like you want them and just aren't in a financial place to afford them and it hurts and so you don't want to look at it. Yeah, well, and you know, there's right. been I have So in my nerdy solving problems ways, like I've spent tons of time researching and reading about, you know, how to get out of credit debt and how to do all these things. I'm like, ugh, but that means I have to change a lot of what I'm doing now. I don't want to change what I'm doing now. (laughs) Which would suck if you 
also weren't at the same time adjusting the feelings towards the money to begin with, right? Like that's where I think it, it gets interesting really is to, to think, okay, so maybe because you were able to avoid the pain of not getting the nurturing as a youth, maybe the place you went to escape that was these places with money. Maybe it was in like a fancy toy your, your parents had bought or something other experience they had provided that cost money, like a baseball camp or something. Like maybe your escapes were through these financial means. And so when you're feeling stressful in life and your body's saying, hey, we know how to fix this. We go buy nice shit that we like to play with, right? We buy toys and stuff. And the financial situation not calling for you to be able to use that coping skill is like the resentful part of, well, I don't want to fucking change, you know? Yeah. Like I, and I guess in, in my upbringing wise, and again, without ever thinking too deeply about it, I've just always thought like my inability to manage money had to do with being brought up in a household where money didn't matter that much. So it wasn't really a thing that we discussed and we didn't mm. get like everything we wanted as kids or anything. Right. It just wasn't ever an issue. So now I just live my life like, oh, money should never be an issue, even though mm. sometimes it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, wait a minute. It should be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> like I just I haven't really practiced that skill much. It's fascinating. I, I really wonder what the experience for everybody would be like if they took a week and they walked through the world and they just assumed by default that nothing they did was their fault. Hmm. Like if, if we just went through a whole week and, and it was never like, oh, I'm just too lazy or, oh, I'm just too unwilling or, oh, I'm just too this. And that's why all these things don't happen. If we stop making ourselves the excuse for why none of these things happen in our life, what other kind of reasons could we come up with? And I, I just think that would be like a great starting point for us all. Like, what if I actually don't have control over this? What other kind of shit could be making this happen? Because I think the more curious we become, the less shame we have, and the more interested we get in trying to be different. And that's what it is. I think the frustration of I'm trying to be different and I keep finding myself being the same person makes me not want to give a fuck anymore. Mm. It's like I keep failing at it. And if I just come at it like, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to act like I, I, I can't do anything different than what I'm doing and then try to understand myself from there. I don't know. It just seems like a better place to start. Yeah, for sure. Well, I've done that in a roundabout way. Hmm. I just dig up why our society's all fucked up around money and how it's a big, weird construct of to keep us all enslaved <laughs> it's just energy Billy. So it ain't my fault. yeah right it's just, <laughs> just energy. energy yeah uh so i don't know i guess you know go out there uh, of course increase your compassion levels increase your kindness and gentleness levels to yourself and i don't know let us know what do you think about these promises are these like legit factual things that are going to happen to us or is this just a a really beautiful way to write up, you know, what this process or the experience of the 12 step process can be like um, when it goes well. Let us know and uh, intuitively go out there and handle those situations that used to baffle you. <laughs> Have a good week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us. <laughs>